Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, it's LeVar. We're getting more new episodes ready for you in January, but in the meantime, while we get ready for the new year, we're releasing new 3D immersive remixes of some of my favorite episodes about new beginnings. I sincerely hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Today, I am going to read for you an otherworldly story by Jamie Gah. Jamie is a speculative fiction writer and a graduate of the Clarion Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Workshop, class of 2016. She's published short stories poetry, and nonfiction in a bunch of different venues. And she's also co-edited the anthology The Sea is Ours, Tales of Steampunk Southeast Asia. And she also edited the Wiscon Chronicles, Volume 11. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of background in case you're not familiar with the dialects or the religious practices that take place in today's story. Jamie is Malaysian Chinese, and this story comes from one of her annual trips to Singapore. It features two practices in Chinese folk religion that are still celebrated in Malaysia and Singapore. One of them is Changbang, or Qingming, during which Chinese people clean the tombs of their ancestors. And it's a Chinese belief that it's unlucky to arrive in the afterlife empty-handed, so the living will craft or purchase gifts for the dead. But here's the thing. They're drawn or printed on pieces of joss paper, so imagine an offering of a tiny paper laptop or tiny paper television. These little pieces of paper are offered and burned so that the offering is conveyed to the spirit world through the smoke. The other religious practice that's mentioned in the story is called the Hungry Ghost Festival, either a day or a month, depending on where it's celebrated, during which the gates of the underworld open for the dead to visit the living. And a lot of Jamie's fiction has an amalgamation of Chinese dialects or has Malay folded into the dialogue. The story is called The Last Changbang Gift, and it was originally published in Lightspeed magazine. So, if you are ready, let's take a deep breath. And 
begin. The Last Chang Bang Gift by Jamie Gong. There was definitely something to be said about being Mrs. Lim, even into the underworld. Something about comfort, something about privilege, something about a status quo carried into the afterlife. The previous matriarch that bore the title of Mrs. Lim. Had moved on long before Mrs. Lim got there, but since Mrs. Lim had not liked the domineering nature of her predecessor, this did not bother her overmuch. One of the things to be said about being Mrs. Lim was that during Cheng Bang, she received many, many presents. These many lush things from her children helped her keep abreast with the living world to a certain extent. It was unusual for anyone to keep receiving Chang Bang gifts so long after dying. But then Mrs. Lim was of a family with unusually high expectations. Mrs. Lim was always vaguely pleased with the gifts. Her children were secular in their beliefs, but clearly not in their practice. Even an offering made automatically, without any real intent behind it, was something that contributed to her otherworld comfort. And if the gifts faded at their edges, who would notice when she received so many? Even if she did receive fewer than she had before. Best of all, Mrs. Lim did not even have to share them with Mr. Lim. Who had, as in life, been too full of overabundant energies to remain in the underworld for very long. Once he had been satisfied that he had accomplished all he had meant to do in this life, the goals had been to expand his family's business and raise fine children that would take over said business in order to produce fine grandchildren. He opted instead for Mingpo's forgetfulness tea, and went straight for reincarnation. So this had been the case until the tenth year of her death, when she received from her daughter Hong Yin a coupon for a visit to the fish spa. Mrs. Lim turned the coupon in her hand over and over, confused at the invitation and a bit annoyed. Couldn't Hong Yin have sent her something more fitting for the underworld, like new clothes? Mrs. Lim liked receiving them just as she had liked buying them for the dead when she herself had been alive. So creative, Ah Feng gushed. You're a Hong Yin, always so unkind. When you go, I also want to go. Ayah, you know La Hong Yin always loved going to the fish spa one. Mrs. Lim replied, "I don't know why she loved it so much." Mrs. Lim didn't want to confess, even to her best friend, that she had never been to a fish spa before, even in life. Hong Yin 
had not been a bad child, but there was something about her which had put her at odds with Mrs. Leem. Mrs. Leem always felt bad for thinking that perhaps Hong Yin should not have been her child. Perhaps Hong Yin would have been happier raised by her Auntie Bleur, one of Mr. Leem's distant cousins who would not have noticed all Hong Yin's strangeness, her difference from Mrs. Leem's other children. Mrs. Leem knew that these were unmotherly thoughts to have, but they inevitably rose whenever Hong Yin sent anything during Chang Bang. They had been acceptable, if odd, gifts at first. Lingerie, pretty but not appropriate for someone Mrs. Leem's age. A flat-screen TV. Mrs. Leem had not been disposed to watch much TV when she had been alive. A house in some strange contemporary style, also an impetus for Mr. Leem moving on. If their youngest child could afford to send a house, then his work was truly done. But Mrs. Leem had never rejected any of her children's gifts, dead or alive, and she saw no reason to reject this one. So she went to the fish spa at the ghostly address her daughter had dreamed up for her. Luckily, the underworld, being an existential state with no fixed geography, there was no need to call for a taxi. The receptionist had an approximation of a friendly face. Oh, using a coupon. Got reservation or not? Under what name? Mrs. Lean she said tersely to the ghost receptionist. Once upon a time, if anyone had asked her, she would have said to call her Ahuan or Auntie Juan, perhaps even Xiaowan. She always thought she had a pretty name. But she had the fortune to marry into the leading Lim family, the first son, even. And Lim Tech Mengs towered so large in their circle of friends and acquaintances, Xiaowan quickly became... Mrs. Leem, to distinguish her from the other women who married into that illustrious family. The Mrs. Leem who managed to bag a rich husband, despite looking so boring and plain. The Mrs. Leem who herded her three children into successful adulthoods and an entire extended family into successful annual reunions. The Mrs. Leem who was her husband's most stalwart support. Mrs. Leem remained Mrs. Leem into death. She saw no reason to give up the name even into death. The server, who doubled as a masseuse, apparently, showed her where to put her shoes, rinse her feet, then step up to the platform around the fish tanks, where she could sit down and stick her feet in. The fish swarmed around her feet immediately. She jerked her feet away from them, jostling the water. She sucked her teeth in annoyance. Perhaps she was doing this wrong. Perhaps she was supposed to sit still. The fish circled about her feet, wary after her initial reaction. When they began their work again, Mrs. Leem waited for the expected ticklishness. Did ghost feet feel ticklish? 
Mrs. Lim had never considered this before. She watched in fascination as the ghost fish performed their duty in death as they must have in life. They were not real, and Mrs. Lim knew that they should be in their own way. What did real fish feel like? Why did she not know? Why had she never known? She jerked her feet away from the fish, glaring at them in lieu of glaring at Hong Yin. Difficult Hong Yin, who asked stupid questions, even though she was clearly so smart, who picked fights over such unnecessary things. Why should Mrs. Lim have known such things? And why should Mrs. Lim think about them now that she was dead? These thoughts did not leave her when she left the fish spa, utterly unsatisfied with her visit and thus with Hong Yin, who had failed to deliver a satisfactory Chang Beng gift. She went to visit Ah Feng to complain about it. Haunt her, Ah Feng suggested. Whenever one of my children send me something I don't like, I visit their house. Ah Feng! Mrs. Lim was scandalized. Ah Feng laughed. <laughs> what? It's good for them to know I'm still around for them. Mrs. Lim didn't subscribe to the same opinion. Dead people shouldn't be among the living. It means something is wrong. If my kids send me something I don't like, that's something wrong, what? Mrs. Lean dropped the subject. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire. Michelle Obama, to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Now, let's get back to our story. The next year came the usual gifts. New clothes, a Gucci handbag, a laptop computer. Also, more mischief from Hong Yin. A house with its very own fish spa. She invited her friends to come enjoy it and was envious of their delight in re-experiencing the novelty of the nibbling fish. She even invited Mrs. Tan, the Mrs. Tan of the leading Tan family. The matriarchs had not gotten along in life, but their rivalry mellowed in the afterlife. They were cordial, if not friends. How come you never go before? Ling Mo exclaimed upon learning Mrs. Lim's secret. 
too busy, Mrs. Leem said. Alim Tai Tai was always too busy for silly things like this sort of thing, you know. Ah Fong laughed. Good thing you're dead then, Ling Mo said. Now got time to enjoy. Mrs. Liam didn't feel like she was enjoying herself much, watching the fish have a go at everyone's feet. The fish pecked at her feet. She had an internal argument with herself over whether she actually felt them or whether she pretended to. Her friends gossiped about their children around her while she intently watched the water. Bite by bite, the fish were supposed to stimulate the chi lines on the foot, and suckle by suckle, they were supposed to slough off old skin from the feet, leaving them callous clear. But Mrs. Leem was dead. She had no real skin to clear anyway. Your girl's so clever for making a spa for you like this, Mrs. Tan said, drawing Mrs. Leem back into the conversation. She architect, is it? Mrs. Leem had some vague memory of Hong Ying showing her some drawings. Nice, nice, very nice, Mrs. Leem had said, because she had read in some parenting book that that was what parents should say to their kids. But when it came time to go to college, Mr. Leem had very specific ideas for what his kids should do. Engineer. Must be easy work if she got so much time to make such nice things for you. Maybe she bought it, Mrs. Leem said, sloshing her feet into the water. Knowing better. During the seventh month that year, Mrs. Leem decided to take advantage of the underworld's gate opening for the ghost festival. It would be her first time visiting her children, specifically Hong Ying. Hong Ying now lived in a Temponese apartment. Mrs. Lim was not surprised to see her daughter living on the other side of the island from the rest of the family, but she frowned to see that it was low-cost housing. She had expected, what with the extravagant gifts, that Hong Yin would be more successful, perhaps even bought a landed house. After all, Hong Yuan, her eldest, had moved into the family home in Jerong as the new patriarch of the family after Mr. Lim's passing. Hong Huan had bought a luxury condo in nearby Lakeside, although he spent most of the year in Australia. Hong Yin was to Mrs. Leem's horror, living with a man, and a practicing Muslim, even. Yet she couldn't help but drift through the rooms, examining their personal effects. The embroidered Quranic verse on the wall over the front door. The Guanyin altar facing the entrance, the electric piano in the corner. The ugly couches draped with lace doilies. The unmade beds. The study room where she found... Hong Yin. Hong Yin was sitting on the floor, working on some elaborate papier-mâché project. Mrs. Lim glanced at the day-by-day calendar 
on the wall, pleased to find Hong Yin still used the traditional almanac calendar. But then she frowned. It was a weekday afternoon. Shouldn't Hong Yin be at the office? Mrs. Lim crept closer to see what Hong Yin was doing. A roller coaster. The roller coaster that had appeared last year during Ghost Festival. So, this had been Hong Yin's work. Mrs. Lim had not wanted to ride it. She had never ridden one, even though she had taken her children to the theme parks many times when they were young. She would wait with them in line, then hold their things for them as they got on. The line in the underworld was too long, and she preferred to join her friends for feasting. Mrs. Lim began hunting for more clues about her daughter's life now. The planner, open on the desk. The paint materials. The pencil shavings filling up the waste paper basket. Pamphlets pinned to the walls announced exhibitions by Lim Hong Yin going back several years, since Mrs. Lim's death. For a moment, Mrs. Lim was annoyed. All that money for Hong Yin's education in engineering gone down the drain. All that hard work impressing onto Hong Yin the importance of a good, stable job with financial security ignored for art. Mrs. Lim huffed. Yet she didn't have it in her to be angry at Hong Yin, who hummed cheerfully as she painted in delicate calligraphy the traditional Chinese characters that would bring the Joss roller coaster to life in the underworld. She had loved her children while alive, had done everything a loving mother should have prepared lunches picked them up from school, sent them tuition, sent them to good universities overseas. She had cleaned childhood scrapes and listened to their problems, even if she had not understood them. She had beat them when they were naughty, scolded them softly or harshly as the situation demanded. She had bought them new clothes every Chinese New Year and made sure they wanted for nothing. Only Hong Yin had been unsatisfied. The only daughter mad at being taught to cook and clean. Even though Mr. Lim had hired maids, both he and Mrs. Lim were of the opinion that girls needed to learn how to take care of their families. Who cried through piano and violin lessons. She had wanted art lessons, but art teachers were less valuable than piano teachers. Shouted at curfews imposed on her where her brothers came and went as they pleased. Uh, maybe she had a point there. Hong Yin, who spent her time in her room avoiding family events. It would have tired any parent. It tired even Mrs. Lim. Mrs. Lim sat down on the floor next to Hong Yin to watch her now. She had had so many things to do to keep the Lim family's good standing in their social circles. The endless receptions, the new clothing to buy, the visits with the right kind of people. 
There were many things she remembered Hong Ying trying to persuade her to do. Go for manicures, travel on cruises, and, yes, go to the fish spa. She had no memories with which to draw upon to enjoy them in the afterlife. The afterlife, Mrs. Lim thought, was a place where nothing new could happen because it is not, after all, a place of living. Why do you care about such things? Mrs. Leem cried out in a sudden fit of spite, the only way to relieve her frustration she had then and now. Hong Yin jumped up in startlement, as if she'd heard Mrs. Leem, who hoped that she had. She stared at the roller coaster in disbelief, then looked around the room wildly. Her hands across her chest gripped her arms so tightly the smeared paint was starker on her fingers than before. A gesture Mrs. Lim recognized as something Hon Yin did only when she was being shouted at. Mrs. Lim had a moment of self-righteous satisfaction that even in death she could make Hon Yin feel her displeasure. But even that dissipated when Hon Yin crumpled against the wall, crying. It hadn't been uncommon for Mrs. Lim to encounter Hong Ying weeping for no apparent reason, and the familiar discomfort roared to the fore of the guilt at partaking in the pain, of the helplessness at the unfixable. I'm sorry, she said. She squatted next to Hong Ying. I didn't know. I still don't know. I just wanted you to be happy. Mrs. Lim thought she had known the best way to be happy, and she had thought it would be good for Hon Ying, but it had not been. And now this gulf of difference yawned between them. What if she had done something different? What could she have known? She stayed until Hon Ying stopped crying and began working again. The roller coaster was done, it seemed, since Hon Yin carefully moved it into a corner and began work on something new. Careful fingers unfurled rolls of delicate joss paper in many colors that stained. The calligraphy brush glided effortlessly across surfaces with well wishes and poetry. The rustle of papers as they were crumpled, folded, glued, and set, pushed against the silence of the room. A garden with large rocks, a pathway, and a little pond with its own ducks spread out across the floor. How Mrs. Leem had always wanted one, always sighed about having one to her husband who had refused due to Feng Shui. She had joked on her deathbed, that she hoped before she died she would get a beautiful garden. Hong Yin had gamely sat down with her with a pen and paper, sketching out the details. They had said nothing about how it was only towards the end that they could set aside their differences and resentments. What was there to say that could have closed that gulf? It was too late then, so... They had to do the best they could.
And true to her quirkiness, Hong Yin added steps into the pond. Mrs. Lim rolled her eyes to find it was yet another of those ridiculous fish spa things, but outdoors, surrounded by natural beauty and what looked to be a full body experience this time. At least Hong Yin was happy, and Mrs. Lim couldn't find any fault with the aesthetics of the garden, really. It was perfectly balanced to Mrs. Lim's tastes. You are a good girl, Hong Yin, Mrs. Lim finally admitted. A good, good girl. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Now, let's get back to our story. Mrs. Lim said goodbye without the fanfare that had accompanied Mr. Lim's departure from the underworld. Afong, Ling Mo, and a few other old friends followed her to Ming Por's pavilion at the edge of the chasm. They had to wait in a long queue during which her friends tried to persuade her to not leave. After all, didn't Mrs. Lim have some of the best real estate in the underworld? Without her there to enjoy it, the property would fade, unused cosmic energy returning to other states. Mrs. Leem felt that her friends secretly wanted to keep enjoying her things. Are you sure? Afang burst out when it was finally Mrs. Leem's turn. Yes, Mrs. Leem said firmly. But your kids... She shrugged. Then she stepped up to Mingpur's table to take the proffered cup. I just, I love, first of all, I love, I, I love stories about the afterlife. I love seeing concepts that we all contemplate, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what um, your background is, what your nationality, everyone has a, an image of what goes on in the afterlife. And I, and, I, and I think that those glimpses into our view of what happens when we leave this realm are really informative um, in, in many ways. They point to the value that we place on, on things while we're alive. 
the idea that the pharaohs, you know, would be buried with all of their possessions, even slaves, <laughs> you know, so that they would have these things to continue their reign when they got to the other side, right? Um, all of, of these tales and traditions uh, around this issue from different cultures all sort of draw on the idea that as in life, so in death. And I mean, I don't know for certain what, you know, (laughs) what that other side is like, but I love that this is a humorous take on it because it is such a, a, a an intimidating subject for so many of us to contemplate our own mortality and to and to, and to seriously think about in, in any real or significant way what what happens next because it's such a big unknown you know we have over time through our storytelling filled in that void to make ourselves feel more comfortable about the unknown it's also one of those stories that that honors our mothers, you know. I I love the voice of this woman, how she was proud and never satisfied and completely disconnected to some of the finer aspects of being a parent. <laughs> Just did, didn't get her kids, but you know her her life was all about duty and responsibility. And and for, you know, for women of a certain generation, that was the the goal. That was the idea. That was the the contract, the fulfillment of their end of the marriage bargain. So, it's it's just it's for me it's nice to 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 visit the lighter side of the dark side. The flip side of it is she's not a very sympathetic character if you look really closely at her motivations and 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 her behaviors. And it's easy to see how a woman like that might be at odds with the people that her children become, right? If if you look below the the humor just below the surface of the humor. It is a story about a dark expression of a, of a mother-child relationship, you know, one that is desperately dysfunctional. Um, but the, the light for me at the end of the story is that Mrs. Leem finally comes to just accept her daughter and recognize that after all of the drama, right, of, of being alive and for 10 years in the afterlife, after all of that, she just finally got to, she just wanted her daughter to be happy. And boy, isn't that what we're all looking for? Our parents just to be happy with us, you know? You know, they say that the greatest measure of love is to love someone without trying to change them. That's such a difficult place to love from. And I think in, instinctively, it's what we expect our parents to do. Um, what we fail to remember is that they are simply human. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the best in the business, Julia Smith. Our assistant producer is Audrey No. Editing and sound design by Misha Stanton. My thanks to Mr. Adam Dibert, our consulting producer, and our thanks to Sam Kiefer for engineering today's episode. Thank you to Jamie Gough for allowing me to share her story. You can find her writing in Strange Horizons, in Lightspeed Magazine, and many other fine literary venues. You can follow her on Twitter at J-H-A-M-E-I-A, and 
Hey, if you love the show and want to help other people find it, it's easy to do. Simply leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And in that review, tell us a story you want to hear me read. We have been using your suggestions to make new episodes, and I am highly impressed with your taste in fine literature. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story. But with Stitcher Premium, you can hear next week's episode right now. Plus, get a bonus interview with Ken Liu, the author of The Paper Menagerie. That's exclusive to Stitcher Premium. There's an interview with the author of Ken on there, too, and more coming. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar and use the promo code L-E-V-A-R, LeVar, for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter, at LeVar Burton, and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LeVarBurton.com is my corner of the interwebs. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.